attention patriots, this is the Chris Ann Hall Show. Who's going to stand up? Where are the lovers of liberty? I think that's absurd. It's ridiculous. It's unconstitutional. It's out of control. You think this is over? This isn't over. There's a liberty wave coming. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show, my husband and co-host, J.C. Hall. And if you're watching us on YouTube, you see we are not in the home studio. That's because we are on the road. Liberty Tour 2019 hits Arkansas and Oklahoma now for the next few days. So just so you know, go to chrisannhall.com, go to the calendar and see where we are. Tonight we'll be in Springdale, Arkansas. Tomorrow we'll be in Alma, Arkansas. On uh, Wednesday, JC is actually going to be teaching in Salisaw, Oklahoma. I love the names of some of these towns. In uh, t- On Thursday, uh, I'll be teaching in Jonesboro, Arkansas. On Friday, in Jonesboro. And Saturday, Hot Springs. And Sunday, Hot Springs as well. And so just really excited to bring Liberty Tour 2019 here to Arkansas. And JC, just so you prepare yourself, the people of this area are super hyped about having us. This is the first time we've been in this part of Arkansas. And I know uh, from Janet that we've we've been planning this for quite some time. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited about bringing... Uh, Liberty first to this part of America. And I like being down here anyway. It's yeah. pretty cool. Salisaw's name for Salisaw Creek, by the way. Salisaw Creek? Which is French for salt provisions. Oh, okay. Is it a salty creek? I don't know. Oh, I guess we can ask the locals there. <laughs> well, happy President's Day, everybody. This is a national holiday. And uh, because it is a national holiday, we're going to be talking about, and because it's President's Day, and it is a constitutional thing, in spite of what you may be seeing in the news and what you may be seeing in your textbooks, the president is governed by the U.S. Constitution. And so I thought it would be cool to talk about some uh, presidential things We're going to talk about Donald Trump's declaration of national emergency, of course, because that happened on Friday. But I also ran across this test, J.C., uh, called the um, uh, Rediscovering America President's Day Quiz. And it's, it's, um, yeah. So uh, we're going to go over the President's Day Quiz that uh, we have in Rediscovering America. How about that? Okay. 
And uh, we're going to be correcting the quiz and taking the quiz and doing some fun things with the quiz. But first, I want to talk about this declaration of um, of national emergency by the president. And if you want this this presidential proclamation on declaring a national emergency concerning the southern border of the United States issued on February 15th, 2019. Okay. You can go to whitehouse.gov and look at the presidential proclamations. It is actually up there. Pretty short. Yeah, it's not very long. Actually, it it has like a an introductory preamble that's <laughs> almost longer than the declaration itself as if uh the president has to give this narrative to justify what he's doing. Um I guess he suppose he has to do the narrative because the constitution doesn't justify a declaration of national security. I always find these because JC you can go find these Uh, executive orders, and you can find these presidential declarations on whitehouse.gov under every administration. And every single one of them starts off now, therefore I fill in the blank. This one is Donald J. Trump. By the authority vested in me by the Constitution and the laws of the United States of America. Well, rarely do these things actually ever, ever fall into the um, Constitution as an authority. So I don't know why they put that word and in there. I think they should make it say, by the authority vested in me by the Constitution or. Because that's usually where they draw all their authority. And that's no different, <laughs> right? Because th- right? that's no different than this this proclamation for Just national leave, emergency. leave the Constitution part out. Right, right. Well, you know, <coughs> just for posterity's sake, stick the word in there, right? Because you may stumble and actually fall on a constitutional authority somewhere. So, you know, we just say by the Constitution or the laws of the United States because in this proclamation, JC, that's the last mention of the Constitution. There's no authority. He doesn't say Article 2, Section 3, Clause something or another, right? Yeah. It's all federal law. And Liberty First University listeners know that just because it's passed by Congress does not make it a constitutional provision. Just as a reminder, go to chrisannhall.com. There's an article at chrisannhall.com called The Constitutionality of a Presidential State of Emergency. And it will help you understand uh, why I'm saying what I'm saying, that the national emergency part of this is simply not constitutional. Yeah, not not the securing the border part. Not the securing the border part, but the national security or the, the national emergency part. And I think that it's, for me, it's the national emergency part that makes it most dangerous. Sure. Because if Donald Trump wants to secure the border, as the uh, executive leader of the executive branch, as the leader of the executive authority, whose authority by the Constitution is to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. Okay, so I'm I'm just wondering in this proclamation if there's just so little disregard for the Constitution today in Washington D.C. because he could have actually put that in the proclamation. Um, uh, by the authority vested in me uh, by the Constitution and the laws of the United States, specifically 
Article 2, Section, uh, I can't remember right off the top of my head, I'll have to look it up. But it says the president's duty is to faithfully execute the laws of the United States. And as president, I must faithfully execute the uniform rules of naturalization. Mm -hmm. Right. That's his constitutional authority to engage in border security. Yeah, that's that's my contention that, I mean, he doesn't need Congress to to, uh, to give him permission to do the job he's already been authorized to do. The, the, of course, the hang-up here has been the funding. And so this is a way to get the funding. So he's saying, I'm authorized to secure the border. To secure the border, I need this this uh, wall system. Uh, <clears throat> I don't even know the wall because they, they key in on this phrase, the wall. I mean, it's not literally a wall. We're not but building the Great Wall of China Yeah, here. so this security system, this boundary system, which mm-hmm. includes fences, walls, cameras, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so, the, so that's the problem. To do this, I have to do that. And then Congress saying, well, we're not going to fund you for something we've asked you to do. All right, so then the Congress is the problem. Now, as you've said, when Congress, you know, shirks its duties, then it falls on the states. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: we're in a we're really in a constitutional crisis. A, we, right. I mean, we are in a national right. crisis because not only are the are the states failing to pick up their power that they delegated to right. the central government that is now not being carried out mm-hmm. or or specifically being funded by Congress. Not only are they failing to do it when the central government does not. Now many of these states are actually suing. The federal government, or Donald Trump in particular, because he's trying to do a job the states delegated him to do. So mm-hmm. we really are in a constitutional crisis. Right. Th- those states, those states actually, in suing. Now we know they, you know, they play their little games and how they sue and what they talk, what they specifically talk about. But but really, are in breach of the Constitution. So you now have several states, in fact, the border states, in breach of the Constitution. They have violated the union right they violated right, the agreement exactly. of the union they they have essentially expelled themselves from right. the union because they said we're not no we're no longer going to abide by the agreement so right. we really are at i mean people maybe don't like to hear this but we're really at a very similar situation to the civil war right where you have had i mean not for sort of mere image reasons but you basically have a group of states saying we are no longer going to participate in the union on the terms that we agreed to, right? right? California and these other states that are joining California. I mean, are essentially the southern states of of today, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, for the with with a different kind. Well, I, I don't know. I don't. Well, you have the one states right. The one states ostensibly standing for their state sovereignty, where the, right, the federal exactly. government had Let's violated. Not confuse had that. Vi- no, listen, but the, it violated the. What I'm saying is they separated themselves. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So where that these states are saying we're standing for separate for for our state sovereignty because the federal government has <coughs> is in breach of contract. Now you have states saying we're not. You know, basically we're in breach of contract, whereas the federal government is trying to do the job we told it to do. And we no longer agree with the contract that we signed, mm-hmm. so we're going to do something different. So you kind of have these states, in theory, 
or really in practice, removing themselves from the union. Am I am I on target there? Because so it's yeah, not but for the wrong reasons, right? right? Yeah, so, exactly. So no, no, yeah, they're, so they're not you, going along. I think with it was a misnomer to call them the Southern states. Because no, I mean the, I just simply mean in the, in the sense were, of separating. Yeah, well, the states that were that were actually engaging in secession uh, at the time, uh, given the slavery thing aside. Right, slavery thing aside. Uh, slavery thing aside, were actually executing proper authority. Uh, these states that are refusing to secure their borders and refusing to enforce the uniform rule of naturalization, they are not engaging in constitutional authority. Exactly. They're engaging in constitutional authority. The unconstitutional authority is actually they're remaining in the union. Yeah. Right. So what I was trying to say. Yeah. So the fact that they're trying to remain in the union while uh, denying the the constitutional agreement that they made with the other states is the real big problem. Uh, When we get back, we'll we'll talk about this more. Liberty's lobbyist Chris Ann Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here uh, with my husband and co-host J.C. Hall. Remember, ChrisAnnHall.com is where you can find your resources on the constitutional authority of the president to declare national emergency. And like I said, uh, my problem with this whole thing, J.C., is the declaration of emergency because it expands the power of the president. And we already have uh, Democrats specifically Nancy Pelosi uh, Nancy Pelosi allegedly declaring that democrat presidents in the future will be using this national emergency power to engage in other activities, right? So uh, in naming one, the confiscation of firearms, right? We're going to, yeah. we're going to, we're going to, we're going to actually have our president execute the gun control that we want. And that's what this, th- this is my problem with the declaration of emergency. Number one, there's no constitutional authority for it. There's no constitutional authority for Congress to give extra constitutional powers to the president. Right. Well, there's no pre- there's no presidential authority in Article 2 to declare national emergency. Right. Number 2, like you said, there is no authority for Congress to expand the power of the president through uh through legislative yeah. act or proclamation or whatever, right? So, not only that, you have this expansion of presidential power being declared by the office of the executive, being created and endorsed by Congress, and it's unlimited. But this it, to it's, me, it's veritably unlimited. So now the president of the United States can do whatever he wants yeah, to so do when, however he wants. The Civil War again to me. This is another parallel to the Civil War. You have essentially the dissolution the breakup of the union and then in response to that the president acts in an extra constitutional way right I, to I mean to me like i understand that definitely what you're talking about is a threat and a terrible precedent but the one thing it seems to me nobody is talking about 
is that these states have essentially separated themselves from the union. Well, I correct you. Not nobody. We've been talking about right, it. No, I mean, for a, I should yeah. say the mass media. I mean, and, we've and been talking about that because the solution to these states that are refusing to follow the constitutional agreement is not presidential action. The re- solution is the other states have to have to bring their their political power against these states. They have to create resolutions. They have to censure these states. They have to. See, that's what would be cool. Get some governors and AGs of various other states. So I'd like to see a band of governors from the other other states. Whereas California, mm-hmm. et cetera, is well, in that's breach what the of the Constitution. That's what the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions were doing. Right. That's what uh, the what the uh, resolutions that Madison and Jefferson wrote in opposition to the bill that would uh, allow uh, that would collect property taxes to pay Christian teachers to teach the Christian religion with federal money. You need you need to come so, up with a compact resolution, whatever. To some of these governors, hey, sign. This is what you need to do. This yeah. is what you need to sign on. Well, we did do the interstate the compact. We did. I did write an interstate compact for the securing of the border before, Bar- before Barack before Barack Obama left office okay. before Trump was so in. So there you so go. You draw a resolution that it's agno- an interstate acknowledges compact. Yeah. these guys are in breach of contract. Then you swing to that and say, whereas they're in breach of contract, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Here's the other thing. So, number one, the president is doesn't have this authority and you can't invent it. It's dangerous to do so. Number two, Congress can't do it, uh, can't expand presidential power because of this this very important aspect of separation of power. Um Madison said there can be no liberty where the legislative and the executive powers are united in the same person or the same body of magistrates. We, we, we don't have this kind of authority that exists. Number three, JC, and this is the most important part, it's completely unnecessary. Right. President Donald Trump does not have to use this extra constitutional unauthorized expansion of presidential power to to secure the border. He has access to money that he that is not been uh, that has not been delegated to specific things. He can rearrange the budget of the Department of Interior. He can rearrange the part the, the budget of the DOD. He can rearrange the budget of the c- uh, agriculture. I mean, he can do all kinds of rearranging to get the money that he needs. Mm-hmm. So this is this is why this is one of those things that makes me think, JC, that these these swamp advisors that have President Trump's ear are actually coaxing him to do this because they know that that power will last. As arrogant men tear up our constitution and from every direction we cry can learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Chris Ann Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here. You can find us at chrisannhall.com. You can find our uh, most excellent constitutional training at libertyfirstuniversity.com. LibertyFirstUniversity.com, where you can find out the power of the president, uh, the way the president was written to operate, not the way our presidents operate today. And, uh, you know, if, if there is 
a a cabal if there is actually this this deep state it's this entity whatever it be this group of people who know the power of prolonged political authority they have a long-term vision of how they want to overcome the constitutional republic which relies on the will and the authority of the people and they know that by these gradual usurpations of state authority by the gradual um, uh, laying to sleep the will and the jealousy and the vigilance of the people by the expansion of presidential power to king-like status over time is how they do that because eventually there will be that time and that place where this right person will be there to execute all the authority that they've wrapped up in a nice, neat bow. I mean, think about that. Without George W. Bush, Barack Obama couldn't have done what he had done. Without Reagan doing some of the things that he did, George H.W. Bush wouldn't have done what he'd done. Clinton wouldn't have done what he'd done. And then, you know, I mean, all of this stuff is this gradual expansion of power over the rights of the people. All that is true, but I think you also have to throw into the mix now the, the threat of these states. I mean, not only do you have yeah. the massive expansion of, of the federal power, which in some part is in response to these states, but you, you basically, we, we have to acknowledge at some point these states have been taken over by what, what are essentially foreign powers. Mm-hmm. They're they're un-American, unconstitu- unconstitutional. They they don't follow the principles of America. So they're foreign powers, and so you it's this what's troubling to me is you see states on the border fighting tooth and nail to not secure the border. That that well, I was studying. It's, there's a bigger picture there, JC, because all the states have been taken over by a foreign power. It's just a different one. The majority yeah. of the states have been taken over by Washington D.C. When it comes to the internal affairs of the state, that is a foreign power. And so it's what Jefferson no said when when Washington becomes this all-consuming power, and the states look with apathy on the silent descent of their power into the the Gulf of Washington D.C. Then he's then then we have nothing to do but weep over what we've created. Well, let me suggest something to you: if the if the states right you you know the threat is the expansion of the central government, right? Yes. Not being controlled by their creator, the states. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if it's the states that are to control that, when the states are then systematically taken over by another power, you don't have anybody to control it, and that's what we're seeing. You've lost California. I understand They've been lost that, for but a long I think... Time, and now you got these other states following suit. Right, but the, the real issue here is the loss of understanding of autonomy, uh, of, of sovereignty of the states, because if our states were not so consumed by Washington, D.C., they would already understand that it's their job, like they did in 17 and in 1800 and, and beyond that, to... Um, to control the other states in the union and to admonish them. True. Right now, what we have are all these states looking at Washington, D.C., saying, fix this, mm-hmm. when in reality, it's their job to fix it. Right. It's their well, it's their duty to fix it, and, and they're doing my, nothing. And that's my point of the other states recognizing 
your, your nation is being taken over, right? Because these states have been taken over and are being taken over. And now, you know, Arkansas, California, I mean, if you look at Arkansas and Oklahoma, just looks at California and these others as a joke, like the butt of a joke. Ah, these uh-huh. liberal crazies, whatever. No, they are a threat to you. And that's what I see. Again, mm-hmm. people maybe maybe going to criticize or freak out or whatever but i'm i see i'm seeing many parallels to the civil war because it's it's become a state against state these states have now been taken over by these whatever whatever this is and are trying to open keep the border open so that that can creep when you you look at uh we looked at texas this last time of you know how they do the red and the blue Mm -hmm. about the voting you look you saw this deep blue wave <laughs> spilling it was all along the border and just creeping up that's going to continue to creep because by the way blue is anti-american anti-constitutional that's what this has turned into yeah. and you see this wave pushing well now this is going to creep up to Oklahoma going to creep up to Arkansas well and that's why that's why so the other states that's need to why step we've up. been trying to tell people that it's incumbent upon these states to 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 ignore any kind of of directive from Congress to ignore any kind of directive f- even from uh, from the Supreme Court or the uh, pr- office of the executive to do anything but secure their own borders that's well, wh- that's we'll what we'll see what we have to do we have to do that. And again, this expansion of presidential power will have no good yes, outcome. It will have no good outcome. And that's the bo- that's the bottom line problem that I have. It's not necessary and it, it, it will have no good effect because expansion of power never goes away. And, you know, I think once again, we can't overlook the real problem here in America, J.C., and, and it's the ignorance of how government's supposed to be work. Samuel Adams said, no people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. He said, but on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. And we don't need border invasion right now. The cause of our, if, you, if we're totally honest, JC, the entire cause of the border invasion links around the ignorance of the American people as a whole on how government is supposed to work, the, the role and the duty of the people, and the role and the duty of their states in securing their own rights and liberties. Definitely. I mean, uh, and, and you think about this, this is no different than allowing the governments of the states to disarm the people without due process, to take their property without due process. This is all about the ignorance of the people and allowing government to exercise power they don't have. So when we're going to finish up the show today, I promise you we're going to talk about this this President's Day test. There's hundreds of them out there, JC. And I just want to tell people, look, if you... 
don't don't show these tests to your kids and if your kids come home with them from school make sure you look at them before uh, you just dismiss them we have at Liberty First University a class uh, on the authority of the president and all of the authority from the president comes from uh, for the president comes from article 2 of the Constitution we also have, that's at libertyfirstuniversity.com, we also have an article at chrisannhall.com called Presidents or Kings. And uh, we have, uh, this will be a really awesome way for you to, do, to actually judge these tests. Now, I found this test uh, particular on Newsday, and it's written by a, a professor from the University of Houston. So just because somebody is a professor and just because somebody um, is in Texas doesn't mean they know the Constitution, okay. right? So I wanted to go over a couple of things that they have here. So uh, just, JC, this one was really interesting. Question number one was really interesting. President Thomas Jefferson delivered the president's annual message to Congress, what we now call the State of the Union Address. I find that quite interesting, what we now call the State of the Union Address, because that's what the Constitution calls it. Okay. The Constitution says from time to time that the president will give his State of the Union, right? So here we go. Um, in writing, he says, Jefferson did it in writing, starting a precedent that was followed until this president, this particular president, delivered the message in person to Congress. And the practice continues today. Do you know who that president was? No. Abraham Lincoln, Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, or Franklin D. Roosevelt? B. It was Woodrow Wilson. Okay. Woodrow Wilson is the one who started the, uh, not the television, obviously, but bringing it not in person. Um, oh, here's, I liked this one. This one was a good one. Which of the three branches did the early Americans consider to be the most powerful and therefore the most dangerous? The legislative, executive, or judicial branches, or all of the above? Well, the answer is the legislative branch. Uh, if, if you're talking about the Federalists, obviously, uh, if you're talking about the Anti-Federalists, then I think they would have named the executive and with some very important concerns about the uh, judiciary as well. Now, this one was interesting, number three. Which president demonstrates the power of the president? This is where you start to, to see the manipulation of these things through the wordings of the questions. So listen to this, JC. Which president demonstrates the power of the president to determine foreign policy by declaring that the United States was neutral in the war between France and England. Wow. So it should be Congress that declares. Right, right, right. Or that doesn't declare. Declares foreign policy, right. But it's so the president to the avoid. President. It, 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 it's the president's job to advise, right? I mean, that's the whole State of the Union thing, is to give advice to Congress as what he sees. And that's exactly what George Washington was doing during, uh, in the war between France and, New and, and England. He was advising Congress that we needed to stay neutral in this. But now we have modern-day reinterpretation of that action by saying that the president has the power to determine 
German foreign policy, and George Washington says so. So it's just a... No, that's interesting. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, the whole thing is kind of... The whole thing is kind of screwy. The (laughs) president... His power to determine foreign policy. His power to determine foreign policy. Yeah. So when we get back from the break, uh, we'll be in our final section, but there was one section that I want to talk about in this... One question in this test that I want to talk about, because it actually has to do with even the wall argument. I'm a long, long way from my home, and I'm going to change all the things I find. The Chris Van Hall Show. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Show. Chris Ann Hall here. We're going over the President's Day test on Newsday. And there's, uh, there's a couple questions here. Uh, number four, the U.S. Constitution states that the president is commander-in-chief, yet gives Congress the power to declare war. Which president has argued that the president has the constitutional authority to send American troops to use military force abroad without first getting Congr- approval from Congress? Harry Truman, George H.W. Bush, Barack Obama, or all of the above? All of the above. Why? Because of the War Powers Act, right? So we go down here to question number nine. Which Supreme Court case has settled the question whether the president may initiate war with another nation? Is it uh, United States v. Curtis Wright, 1936, Youngstown Sheet Tube, uh, Company versus Sawyer, 1952, Bumadine v. Bush, 2008, or none of the above because this has not been settled by the Supreme Court? D. D. Well, here's the thing, and that's what you have these, which implies they have the authority to do that, right? I I love that. Settled the issue as if the Supreme Court is the one that needs to settle that. Look, America, the Constitution has already settled that. The, uh, and we have to talk about this because it is the Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1, which says the president shall be commander-in-chief in the Army and Navy of the United States and of the militia of the several states when called into actual service of the Constitution of the United States. Now, some people, J.C., try to say that that clause, when called into actual service, only applies to the militia. But there is a comma between militia, uh, the, the clause of the militia in that last clause, which indicates that it's not a congruent single thought. If it was uh, of the militia of the several states when called into the actual service of the United States, right? That would be one thought that applies to the militia. But Article 2, Section 2, Clause 1 builds a list of conditions And the list of conditions is the Army and Navy of the United States, two, the militia of the several states, three, when they are called into actual service. And we know that Article 1 of the Constitution, Article 1, Clause 8, or Article 1, Section 8, Clause 15, gives Congress the authority to call uh, forth, uh, to repel invasions, right? It is Congress under Article 1 that has the authority to declare war. Right. Not the president. 
So the President of the United States doesn't have the authority to send troops anywhere without a declaration from Congress. And this is what's interesting because our founders tell us, see, we don't need the Supreme Court to clear this up because the president, because the Constitution already says that and the writers of the Constitution told us. Now, if you're watching this on YouTube, you're seeing actual slides from our uh, Liberty First University class, The Power of the President, from Article 2 in which we have Federalist 69, which declares that, number one, the president is to be the commander-in-chief of the Army and the Navy, and whose authority is the same as the king, but in substance much inferior to it. You see, the president's power is not the kingly power to declare war and direct troops. Federal 69 says the president's power amounts to nothing more than the supreme command and direction of the military and naval forces when Congress has already declared war. And James Madison says the Constitution supposes what the history of all government demonstrates, that the executive is the branch of power most interested in war and most prone to it. It has the Constitution has accordingly with studied care vested the question of war in the legislature. So why do we need the Supreme Court to settle something that is already settled? Right. It's a part of the Constitution. And why do we still have people who call themselves constitutionalists debating this issue? The only reason we debate this issue is because I believe for so long, JC, we have accepted an unconstitutional authority vested in Congress to give the president power. So you should see the Council on Foreign Relations quiz for the oh, president. I, we curious. should maybe do that. <laughs> we'll do that it's some other time. It's all a bunch of nonsensical questions. Maybe we should post an article about that later. Well, thank you guys for joining us today on this President's Day. We hope you all have a great, great holiday. <laughs>